Guess what, guys? We're not doctors. No, we are not. So if you're going to be making any major medical decisions, please consult your doctor. That includes diets, surgeries, and exercise. We love you guys. And we want you to continue to be in our OSLP family forever. So be careful and consult your doctor. Yeah. Yeah. You all know how much we love ProCare. We talk about them all the time, pretty much in every episode we record. Pretty much. So we are really, really excited to announce. They are sponsoring the podcast. Oh, my goodness. I'm so excited. Yes. And we truly believe in their product because we take them every single day. I take their one-a-day capsule. Yes. And I take their one-a-day chewable. It's freaking delicious. And not only do they have multivitamins, but they have calcium chews. Yeah. Delicious calcium chews. The salted caramel is to die for. Oh, and the cinnamon roll, guys, tastes like a cinnamon roll. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. They also have dinner mint, but Mm -hmm. our favorite... Favorite is a dark chocolate for two reasons. One, you can have it at nighttime for a treat Mm -hmm. or make a s'more out of it. We've done it. Freaking bomb. How cool is that? So go now to ProCareNow.com and use code OSLP for 10% off. All righty. Now go now. What are you waiting for? Go get your vitamins. Yeah. Welcome back, OSLP family. Welcome, welcome. You are listening to our Sleeve Life podcast, and this is Kelly. This is Mel. And your girl is sick, so if I sound a little nasally, <laughs> that is why Melanie got me sick. I'm blaming it all on her. That's totally fine. Um, but we are powering through. <laughs> and we have a fabulous guest on the show today um her instagram is the hormonal dietitian yes. and we want to welcome melissa on so say hi to everybody melissa hi thank you so much for having me of course thank you for taking time out of your busy busy schedule yeah. to talk with us and uh kind of teach us a little bit more about what you do and all of the things that go into that. Yeah, because I know we've we've actually interviewed a few girls that have had PCOS. Mm-hmm. And we saw when we went on to your Instagram, like you help a lot in, with the understanding of what it is and how it works. Um, so I think we want to dive in kind of there because it's such a big deal in the community. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, I see a lot of overlap and I've had a lot of clients who, um, you know, either one-on-one clients or in my programs who, you know, have had bariatric surgeries. And so, you know, they kind of find me after the fact. Right. Okay. All right. So can you give us a little bit more background of how you got into this, um, what schooling you have done, all of that? Yeah. So kind of funny story. Um, I worked in New York City advertising for 15 years. I was, um, My first major was in English and dance, you know, very random combination (laughs) land in the advertising, which is, you know, where most of the unemployable people end up in New York City. Um, And it's just, you know, you've probably seen Mad Men, you've seen, Mm -hmm. you know, illustrations of what New York City advertising looks like. And, um, you know, it's not really fiction. Um, Okay. really what it's like like you really understand like why people did so much coke in the 80s (laughs) like it's just like so high stress so high energy all the time and um you know I was working like 90 100 hour weeks I was traveling all the time I really you know sort of around the point I turned 34 35 hit my breaking point and was just like 
I have to get out. Like mm-hmm. this career is going to kill me okay. like literally. And so, um, you started investigating, like, what do I want to do? Like, what, what would I find fun? What would I find enjoyable? And, um, what happened was I was like sitting in my living room and I'm looking at all my cookbooks and diet books. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, I've got four bookcases full of books, um, wow. on these topics. And I'm like, I wonder, I wonder what it would take to become a nutritionist, you there know, you and, and actually work with people and start to help people in that way. Um, and so I did some research and it was really important to me to go the fully credentialed route mm-hmm. so that I could practice, you know, in, in the state, you know, whatever state I lived in, yeah. um, I would be able to be licensed and be able to make those, you know, personalized diet recommendations. So okay. it took a lot longer as an adult <laughs> going back to school. Um, took me about seven years, oh, um, about, you know, uh, four years, part-time, two years, full-time in person. And then, uh, the last year, uh, to become an RD, you have to do, um, it's kind of like, like with doctors, how they have like a residency program mm-hmm. where you get matched, um, you get matched to a dietetic internship. That's oh. basically a year of unpaid work and wow. supervised practice. Yeah. So oh, wow. it's a lot. Yeah. So I could definitely couldn't do that in New York city, which is how I ended up up in New Hampshire where I am now, where my parents live. Um, and then I met a guy and so I'm still here in New Hampshire. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to ask if you were still in New York. So that covers that. Yeah. That is an awesome story though, to be Mm -hmm. able to like realize this is not the work for me. Mm. Cause I think a lot of people get stuck like that. They don't think about like, what can I do? And they start looking do something different. Yeah. And like looking around at, at your own house and be like, what do I like to do? And like, yeah, you have two cases worth of like cookbooks and all the nutritionist stuff. So why not? Yeah. Like that's amazing. Yeah. It's funny. A lot of people will comment about how it's really brave to go back to school as an adult. And mm-hmm. it really just changed my whole life, the state I live in and everything. Mm-hmm. But like, it really, for me, like I, I view that as survival. It was like, I had to change um, yes. things not going in a direction that was in any way sustainable, you know? Yeah, oh, definitely not. Yeah. Well, and go into a field that you find very rewarding. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. the best to, to actually oh, that- find what you're meant to do. That too. I mean, if you follow me at all, you know, like, you know, how, how much it bothered me working for the man, you know, <laughs> like, oh, gosh, yeah. like all this work I was doing and it was like, you know, for what, like, yeah. so now I, now I feel like I use those skills for, for good and not evil. You know, I try to <laughs> help people with my skills. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, and you do help people. You help a lot of people. Um, explain to us what, what you do now. Mm-hmm. What's your, what's your specialty and where you're at? Yeah. So I'm an integrative and functional dietitian. So what that means is I'm a registered dietitian, so RDN, um, and I use an integrative and functional approach. So 
Integrative means I focus on more things than just food, just okay. nutrients in, calories in, calories out. Um, we focus on on the whole person. So it's a very holistic view that, you know, I, I end up talking about stress and sleep just mm-hmm. as much as I end up talking about nutrition. Um, and the okay. functional medicine is really, instead of trying to address symptoms as they pop up, we're looking further up the line to see what's causing all of these symptoms down below. And so mm-hmm. when I started working with women with PCOS, which is polycystic ovary syndrome, I was starting to see some common root, root causes there. Mm-hmm. So things like insulin resistance and mm-hmm. inflammation and gut imbalances and mm-hmm. hormone imbalances um, and just, you know, hormone imbalances caused by, you know, lifestyle, like high stress, um, Mm -hmm. you know, things like that. So, you know, I was starting to see some, some patterns. Um, and so by working on those things, instead of working on the symptoms you see, Mm -hmm. which is like the acne and hair loss and, um, you know, difficulty losing weight or weight gain, um, Mm -hmm they're all symptoms. They're all downstream symptoms of these upstream root causes. So um, I work with people in a bunch of different ways. I do one-on-one programs uh, virtually. I'm entirely virtual now, um, which is nice. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I was mostly virtual before this whole thing happened, but um, you know, it was a good excuse to shut the office that I had and just work from home full time. Um, And then I do group programs, group coaching programs, and I have an online course, which is really a self-study way to get the information. It's the same information and tools I use with my clients. It's just, you're kind of guiding yourself through the process of figuring out which root causes you need to focus on and how to do that. You know, that's really where, where I share the how on my Instagram account, which is the hormone dietitian. Um, I mostly share, you know, a lot of background information, the, the what's and the why's Mm -hmm. of PCOS. Um, the how's are really what I, what I do with my clients. Okay. Can you kind of, uh, um, go a little bit more into how somebody would figure out that they have PCOS. Yeah. So I'm a dietitian. So um, diagnosis is actually outside of our Mm -hmm. scope of practice. So if someone comes to me and they're like questioning whether they have PCOS and I, you know, maybe look at some labs and it looks like PCOS, we're probably going to treat it like PCOS. Um, But if you're going to get that actual diagnosis, um, usually it involves starting with your primary care doctor. If you're not getting answers there, um, elevating it to your GYN. Mm. Um, if the labs come back abnormal, they might refer you to an endocrinologist who can also diagnose. So, um, also a lot of times, um, I see a lot of women who are diagnosed in their early thirties. Um, typically what happens is, you know, maybe they had irregular cycles when they were teens, or maybe they had some symptoms like acne and they got put on the pill and they just kind of stayed on the pill forever. And then, you know, they get married in their early thirties, they go off the pill and they think, Oh, I'm going to start trying next Mm -hmm. year. And then like, 
nothing happens. Like, you know, their Mm -hmm. cycles don't come back and all of those symptoms that they were covering up for all those years just come raging back. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes at that point, they're, they're already like, seeing a fertility specialist. Right. So sometimes it's the fertility specialist who picks up on the fact like, oh no, this is PCOS and you've had this all your life. You've just Never you know, know. not realized it. Yeah. It's interesting because yeah. I don't have a period Mm-mm. at all. Um, I just, I think it was kind of like what you were saying. I went on birth control and I got off birth control so that me and my now ex-husband could try to have kids. And I never had, Mm -hmm. never got a period back. I mean, it's been years Years. since I've had a period. And I had a slight one right after surgery, but I mean, it's been two and a half years (laughs) after that. Um, And I've never, never had that one. Um, When I got tested, they said that I was not, I didn't ovulate. Is that kind of a symptom of PCOS? It definitely is. Um, There are other conditions that Mm -hmm. can, you know, result in abnormal cycles and Mm -hmm. lack of ovulation. So, you know, part of the testing that they do when they are diagnosing you with PCOS is ruling out those other conditions that can look like PCOS. Um, You know, some of the more common ones are hypothalamic amenorrhea. Um, Hypothyroid can mimic PCOS. um, If your thyroid's low enough that you're not ovulating. Um, High prolactin. Um, Sometimes it's things like, you know, I've had people who have like a benign pituitary tumor or something like that, where it's not, it's not dangerous, but Mm -hmm. it's interfering with Mm -hmm. its ability to make hormones. And Mm -hmm. so that can throw your cycle off. So, you know, it's really like hard to speculate without having had all of the thorough testing done. So that's why it's so hard to diagnose because they can mimic other things. That's annoying. (laughs) Yeah. Like a lot of, you know, Surprise, surprise, all the women's health conditions take like 10 years to get a proper diagnosis, you know? Um, it's, you know, PCOS is similar to endometriosis in that way. It often takes two to three doctors and eight to 10 years to get a proper diagnosis. Yeah. yeah. That's sad. Yeah. It really is. It's a huge problem. The fact that it's still a problem is ridiculous. In 2021. Yeah. It's it's still a problem. I mean, we think that it shouldn't be a problem, but apparently they do. I don't understand why, Uh, but you know, it takes like, I just don't understand them. Like, the business side of it because a lot of it's like money wise it's like but you're wasting all of these years in testing like what do you think you'd want the upfront more i just don't understand i mean that's where my brain goes yeah if you want to get like super mad about it um (laughs) 10 to 20 percent of women have pcos and the amount of research funding that is allocated to pcos is 0.1 percent yeah so nothing like yeah sh- shocking but not shocking it's, you know yeah. it's like i'm not surprised but you know that does make me mad yeah because are Doesn't you it? me no that's it's it's this is why i get mad kelly <laughs> <laughs> because like, I do tell her like all these random shit that like that are happening and mm-hmm. she and I'm like I get mad and like this is why because stupid shit like this because and not even just for just women in general because it's even worse for women of color mm-hmm. like for them mm-hmm. to f- get diagnosed and it's fucking ridiculous it's like this doesn't make any sense to me Mel- like yeah, much, I, get, I get real much, bad <laughs> much worse I see you know yeah. with 
with the um, women of color that I see in my practice, it is, it's, it's much longer to get diagnosed. Um, there's often other issues going on simultaneously that they're not getting answers about, you know, like fibroids are so much higher in that population. And it's just like, you know, they're having irregular bleeding and their doctors are just like, eh, it must be the PCOS. It's like, yeah, no, that's, that's not a symptom. Like <sighs> keep testing, you yeah, know, keep going, keep going there. You're just, we're not done yet. Like, shut you up. Yeah. Essentially. Mm -hmm. And just say, oh, just go away. You're, you're fine. Mm -hmm. You're not dying. So just go away. Yep. Yeah. Here, here's yeah. the pill. Here's mm -hmm. an antidepressant, like go away. Leave me alone. <laughs> yes. can, can PCOS kind of, um, affect your depression? amount yeah. I guess yeah that would be yeah the mood disturbances are common with PCOS so um depression and anxiety I think there's um you know several reasons for that one mm -hmm. of the reasons was you know one of the root causes I mentioned was those gut imbalances mm -hmm. and you know you need a healthy gut microbiome to make all those happy feel-good neurotransmitters and okay. you know if we have imbalanced gut bacteria that can be one thing contributing to poor mood but you also also have to remember you know with pcos um you know it's it's really unfair because unlike a lot of chronic conditions with pcos so many of the symptoms are cosmetic you know, oh. they affect the way you look. So you've maybe always been dealing with acne and facial hair and male pattern hair loss and, you know, weight that won't budge. And so it's very common to have, you know, um, a lack of body acceptance or body positivity, um, you know, where you're having this, you know, uncomfortableness in your body. I'm not going to say body dysmorphia because if you're looking at yourself and you're like, I've got acne, like you're seeing yeah, you it's see an it. actual yeah. thing, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, it's cosmetic symptoms that affect the way you feel as a woman and can maybe affect your confidence. Um, and so, you know, it, it can slide into depression. Mm -hmm. and, um, I'm going to say like, what's interesting is that like, so after I had my kid, um, I had my, I lost a lot of hair right in here mm -hmm. and I get, and I was always gaining weight and I, mm -hmm. I would get checked once a year, did my normal stuff. Mm -hmm. And anytime I would ask about the hair loss thing, they're like, just happened. It's a hormone thing. Okay. Well, can we fix it? Not really. Okay. Like no one cared. No. Mm -hmm. And all they wanted to do was just tell me that like, go away and you just need to lose weight. Like that's the deal. Like no mm -hmm. one was testing me any further. Mm -hmm. Like it's kind of it, it kind of makes me think, like, I wonder if I ha if I have PCOS and just didn't know it. Well, I mean, that that I mean, that's what I'm thinking because mm -hmm. I have the hairs. I have the little hairs that are right here. Mm -hmm. I've always struggled with acne, although my face has gotten so much better, so much better. Yeah. Um, but I still struggle with it. You know, my depression and then the fertility, the lack. I mean, yeah, so that's I mean, a I, huge red flag. I was not on. I was not on any birth control for mm, years, four or five years. Yeah. Never once had a, even a hint of a pregnancy. But no one ever brought up, hey, let's test for PCOS. Nope. No. I didn't even know it was a thing until after I had weight loss surgery. Yeah. Until this community for me, I didn't even know what it was. Mm. I've heard of endometrio endometriosis because I have two of my girlfriends have had it. Um, but I've never heard of the other PCOS. Nope. No. Nope. So since none of us has really heard of this, except for people that have to deal with it, um, one, what is what is a hormone? Why is this hormone so important? And then the gut 
like bacteria, the, the, the gut health. Why is that also so important? Because I hear about it all the time, but no one ever goes into detail. Yeah. So hormones are basically like chemical messengers in your body. And so, you know, sort of starts with your hypothalamus region of your brain. Mm. Um, and it's kind of like reading all the signals from inside your body, from outside your body. And it's deciding like what needs to happen. Mm. And then your hypothalamus talks to your pituitary gland, which is right next to it. And the pituitary gland is kind of like the conductor of the orchestra. So he's the one like telling your ovaries what to do, telling your thyroid what to do, telling your adrenals what to do. Um, we have so, so many hormones. Um, you know, generally when we're talking about hormones and women's health, we're typically talking about the sex hormones, mm -hmm. you know, the estrogen that rises in the first half of your cycle and then the progesterone that rises in the second half of your cycle after ovulation. Okay. Um, we also, as women make testosterone, mm -hmm. um, you know, we need it for some of those masculine characteristics, um, you know, like mm, putting on, being able to put on muscle mm -hmm. or, um, having a good bone density. Um, we need it for sex drive. Like we need testosterone for that. Um, the problem with PCOS is when we make too much of it. So we okay. make too much of those male hormones and that's what results in those sort of negative male symptoms that we start to see like the facial hair and the body hair and the, you know, male pattern hair loss that happens. Okay. Um, other hormones, you know, we've got, uh, let's see, uh, all the digestive hormones. Mm. We've got insulin, which controls your blood sugar. Uh, we've got the thyroid hormones. Your thyroid is like, like your body's thermostat. So it turns up or turns down your metabolism depending on what's going on. So if your hypothalamus says like, Hey, um, we're pretty stressed. Like, let's try to get her to slow down. Mm. So what it does is it like turns your thyroid down so that it's trying to get you to rest, but okay. it's just going to make you feel tired. You know, if your thyroid hormones down, oh. um, and then we have the adrenal hormones. Those are our, you know, hormones we make, you know, there's, there's a reason we make them, you know, back back when we were hunters and gatherers mm -hmm. and we had to survive if a woolly mammoth was charging at us, it's those like fight or flight, flight hormones. Mode. And yeah, again, it's very natural and we need those in order to sort of surge and like have that burst of energy when we need it. Mm -hmm. The problem is like with our current lifestyle and that, that hypothalamus, like it doesn't know the difference between a woolly mammoth charging at you or like running late for work or like right. having a work deadline or like a stressful conversation. Like it thinks mm -hmm. you are in life-threatening danger. And so it's making you crank out these stress hormones. And so when those are chronically high, that can cause problems too. Mm. Oh, so high stress levels can be a problem. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of, um, a lot of people with PCOS really struggle with, um, adrenal driven PCOS. Like okay. that's especially uh, lean PCOS, which is PCOS that happens in normal or even underweight um, people. Um, they, they call it lean PCOS. Um, you know, that's typically very driven by the adrenal hormones. Okay. okay. All right. And are the symptoms the same for lean PCOS and regular PCOS? 
Typically, you know, minus the weight loss, but uh, the weight gain or, you know, difficulty losing weight. Um, But, you know, the women I see struggle with the same symptoms, acne and hair loss, Um, you know, maybe some of the the sleep disorders I've Mm -hmm. seen, um, you know, very lean women who have sleep apnea and have to sleep with a CPAP. the infertility for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, those adrenal androgens can actually act just like testosterone in your body. So they cause the same kind of symptoms. What kind of sleeping disorders can fall under that? Yeah. Um, insomnia, sleep apnea, there's, um, some research on like circadian rhythm disturbances in women with PCOS. Circadian rhythm is like you know, when we wake up with the sun and we, we go to bed when the sun goes mm-hmm. down and we sort of align our lives with, with the sun. Right. Um, and what happens is like, you know, women might have like different melatonin production than women without PCOS have. They might like wake up in the middle of the night. Um, really, uh, another one that I see pretty commonly is you know, technically getting enough sleep, like sleeping eight hours or nine hours, um, but still waking up and feeling tired, like you're not well rested. So Mm -hmm. I see that a lot too. So the quality of your sleep isn't very good. Like you're maybe not getting down into deep sleep as much as you should. Well, you just described my sleeping pattern. That's why I asked. I was (laughs) like, I was like, I have to know. Yes. (laughs) I don't sleep. I, I wake up a lot at night. Yeah. So one o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock, and Four then o'clock rock. <laughs> and there's some nights where I can't sleep at all. So I'll wake up at like three a.m. and then I'm awake until eight a.m. and then I finally fall back asleep for a couple hours. So I'm not. Mm-hmm. I mean, I it's crazy. Feel like you're describing me right now. <laughs> well, you know, I think. There's that thing where like when doctors are in medical school and they're learning about things and they think they have every condition that they're learning about. And, mm-hmm. you know, I definitely, when I was first learning about PCOS, I was like, oh, this is me to a T, like, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, but, you know, some of the symptoms that can come with it have other causes, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, do I have a chin hair because I have PCOS or because I'm Sicilian? You know, it's like my mm-hmm. Nana had the the chin hair. So mm-hmm. it's like, okay, well, you know, and no, of course I have no testosterone issues. My, my cycles mm-hmm. are like 27 days on the nose, like all my life. Um, I know it's annoying, like, right? It's like, I like the fact that it's on time, but then I don't like it that it's on time. <laughs> Yeah, I never had I never had on time periods. No. Mine were always like even before I was like I would go really long time in between and then I would have one and then it would be and then I would go like 14 days and then have another one and then I would go a really long time like it was Just never go back and forth it was never. I, I could never set a clock yeah. by my periods ever. Yeah, and mine's yeah, like you're- Probably never ovulating regularly. Mm-mm. Sounds like no, nope. yeah. and I don't want kids, so it's fine. <laughs> like I'm like I'm good. I don't want any. But I mean, to find out if I have anything other than well, it sounds like we need to yeah, have your doctor you test your hormones yeah. levels. Is what needs yeah, to you don't want to say that to the hormone dietitian either. <laughs> um, <laughs> just because you know, and and I'm like super you know, I'm such a feminist and I just Mm -hmm. like the fact that women get reduced to our ability or our decision to reproduce or Mm -hmm. not is something that I'm constantly ranting about. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but it's you're having a, a regular cycle is actually like a sign of good health. I think, mm. you know, when there's, when your cycle's missing, it's kind of like the canary in the coal mine that something else is, is a miss oh. like further mm. up the line. And cause it's like, if everything were balanced and working fine, you'd be getting regular cycles. And so, you know, and there are risks that come with not having cycles. If you think about, um, like what the symptoms that start to crop up in menopause, like poor bone density and hot flashes. And um, we can actually have, um, there's a higher risk for endometrial cancer and things like that if you're not getting regular cycles. So yeah, definitely dietitian's orders. Go go get that checked go out and test. see what's causing test that. ASAP. I feel like um, I have a, a homework to do after yes. this yeah. episode is done. And then I'll text her and make and be like, reminders. Yeah. <laughs> Just get that tested, please. Just yeah. please go in. Yeah. Well, yeah. At least check in with your bestie and ask them how their cycle's going. <laughs> you know, that's true because I used to think it was normal because a lot of our girlfriends weren't regular and mm-hmm. I was. So I felt kind of odd that I was. Like, I knew I was pregnant with my son because I was three days late I was like something's wrong something's mm-hmm. up this is weird and then yeah I took the test took two of them and they all came back positive <laughs> <laughs> well I would hope you so know? since your son is 15 now yes, he so. is. <laughs> well even just like the summer um like it was real weird because I went two weeks late and so me and my husband mm-hmm. are freaking out because he had a vasectomy like five or six years ago and he's been tested and we're like what's going on what's going on we get a we take the pregnancy test comes up negative so I'm like I guess I'm just stressed and it I mean it really that's what it was because yeah, if we stress. we literally looked back at what was happening and it was like oh I was under stress like a lot and I'm mm-hmm. not like it was way more than normal so it made complete sense so mm-hmm. I'm like okay that's fine I'll, yeah. I'll take that one period mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah stress is one of the biggest factors that can you know impact when ovulation happens or doesn't happen mm-hmm. um you know I was just mentioning before we started recording how I had um how I was sick for like two weeks straight. I had like this low grade kind of cold crud thing, Mm -hmm. but it started like the day I was supposed to ovulate. And I, I didn't like, you know, I've got none of the signs and symptoms that I ovulated on time. And so, you know, you'll, you'll, you can have an abnormal cycle, Um, If you've got something like excess stress or illness, I think, you know, last year has been a really good illustration of Mm -hmm. how stress affects our cycles. Um, So many women I work with were just like, you know, myself included. It's like, oh, I had a 15 day cycle followed by a 38 day. Like, what is going on Mm -hmm. here? Um, you know, I'm also old on the older side. So it's like every time I'm like, is this, the, is this the pandemic or is it perimenopause? Like what's going on? I don't You're know. always questioning. Yeah. So, but stress is definitely a common one. I mean, okay. I think a lot of people realize the impact that stress can have on your cycle. This might be a dumb question, but I feel like some there people- are no dumb questions. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, because I feel like some people don't realize they are stressed. So what, like, how can you tell yourself, like, how do you find out with, besides like the crazy stuff that you know, making you stress, is there any signs like throughout the day that can tell you like, Hey, you're, you seem a little stressed. Calm down. Yeah. If I, I swear, if I had a dollar for every client who told me they're not stressed Mm -hmm. and then I saw their lab test and they're like, you know, cortisol is through the roof. Um, I think you know, I definitely think some of us, uh, some of us more high anxiety types tend to come out of the womb a little bit 
you know, more high strung okay. mm-hmm. than others. Mm-hmm. And so what feels normal to us um, might be extreme stress for mm-hmm. someone else. Um, definitely, you know, there are physical signs to look for. There's lab tests, you know, you could, you could check your cortisol and see what that pattern looks like over the course of the day. Okay. Um, generally like feeling that like heart racing, tight chest. Um, that's when you might have, um, someone might tell you, you have high blood pressure. Mm. Um, that's usually a sign of stress. Sometimes if you're like really, really stressed, like if you ever get in one of those situations where, where you're maybe like walking down the street through a like not super safe area and you get a little sketched out and like Mm -hmm. your hands are shaking, like that is a sign that's like the adrenaline coursing through your body. So, um, yeah, lots and lots of signs, uh, that you're stressed. Definitely stress can affect your sleep. Mm -hmm. Um, it can affect your digestion. Um, you know, you might feel kind of like, like your stomach's in knots when okay. you're under stress. Um, there's like two types of stress eaters. I think there's the stress eaters who are like, just kind of like shoving anything in their face for like texture and crunch. Mm-hmm. Usually it's just like, I just gotta, uh. um, I'm like a stress not eater. Like my stomach just like shuts down. Mm. It's like, Nope, can't do it. Yeah. I <laughs> do know? both. So I get yeah, there's certain uh, yeah I'm 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 high strung um, <laughs> I'm one of those people that came out of the womb high strung she's like um, she's like dun, yeah I'm like I am here yeah. um, I will if I'm sur- if I'm really super stressed I will eat um, no if I'm really super stressed then I don't eat because my stomach's in knots yeah and if I'm like low grade stressed then I just want to eat everything in sight and I don't care what it is. Mm. Okay. So I I always try to, um, you know, when I'm working from home, I I try to give myself an hour break for lunch Mm. um, because I know I'm not going to be able to like sit and eat in that first half hour. Mm. I need to take that first half hour to like chill out Mm. so that I can like get relaxed enough that I can get food down there, you know? (laughs) Yep. What do you do to relax? Uh, usually like I'll do some breathing exercises. Um, music is huge for me. I know, you know, there's sort of like the typical recommendations of like do yoga and meditate, but like, I personally find I can't meditate when I'm too, like my brain is just like going, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Just like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so breathing, um, music, you know, I have a few like go to chill out songs that, um, you know, just kind of like dial nice. it down a notch for me. Um, if I'm really stressed, I get in my car and like crank up the nineties music and like <laughs> sing really loud. Like I find that to be a huge stress reliever. Um, yeah. yeah. I noticed, um, for me, it's like showering and getting ready. Like, mm. like it's like calming baths. Yeah. Like those. So, so help. I mean, I haven't had a bath in a long time, but that was nice when you I took one. You don't take baths. <laughs> I don't take baths. I love baths. You take baths. I like to sit and chill and like it kind of really makes me do nothing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I put on a show on my iPad and I just kind of zone out. I watch TV to zone out. Yeah, oh, yeah. you know, I do too. And I'm not afraid to admit, admit it. I, I find there are so many like 
healthcare professionals and other, you know, just professional folks who are like, I don't own a TV or like, I only watch PBS. And I'm like, I watch like Siesta Key because it's the most brainless TV show out there. I love that show. It's like, like, I just watch it and I, I mean, I can feel my brain cells dying, but it's Mm -hmm. like, it's great. My husband loves Baywatch. Baywatch is his favorite show. And it's just like pure enjoyment. You know, it's like, you don't have to think. Um, I think enough during the day. I don't need to think when I'm watching. Oh my God. Cause my husband makes fun of me. Cause I'll do reality TV as Mm -hmm. my, as mine too, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's normally like MTV, like old school MTV stuff. So I'm watching the challenge and he's like, why do you watch this shit? And I was like, cause my brain is on all day. Leave me alone. I don't need my brain on for this. Let me shut it off. Like it just lets me just chill. Like I don't even have to think. I'm just like, Mm -hmm. Oh, what? They suck at that. Like, there's nothing like going on else up yeah. there. It's so nice. Yeah, a hundred percent. And you know, if that's what you need to like wind down at night, um, I'm not going to stop you. I'm going to, you right. know, for hormone balance, you want to, you know, maybe reduce the effects of the blue light. Right. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because that can definitely affect your sleep, but there's like blue light blocking glasses and you can put night shift mode on your phone and your mm-hmm. iPad, um, you know, just that helps minimize it a little bit. At least I'm never going to, you know, it would just be unrealistic to tell someone to totally avoid TV or electronics before right? bed. Oh yeah. No, it's that's how I wind down. Be too hard. Yeah. yeah I mm-hmm. watch TV as I go to bed because that's how I, but if I leave the TV on, I forget to shut like do the timer, I will wake mm. up. It'll wake me up. Yeah. I think it's, you remind me of like my old, like old school, like my mom and dad would have like the timers on to like let it drop. Because for me, <laughs> it's literally like shows over, turn it off, turn off my phone. Boom. Oh no. And then no. I, I count and then I go to sleep. I count. And then <laughs> also, and I don't know. I don't know why this is, but also like the murder shows are like so relaxing at night. It's like, you know, the the dateline and criminal minds. Like I watch all that stuff before bed. Oh, that's funny. I cannot. I have very uh, vivid dreams. (laughs) <laughs> and whatever I'm watching typically somehow gets into my dreams. Mm. So like I saw Halloween on Friday night and I totally had Michael Myers in my dreams. So, I mean, it, he didn't scare me in my dreams, but it's still he was <laughs> he was there. I saw him behind the bush. Behind did the you bush. see the did you see the new one yet? Was that the one you yeah, watched? Yeah, the or? brand new one. The brand new one How I was it? it was uh, really good. I super enjoyed it. Like it was some really good jump scares and yeah, I got, it got yourself there. I was very impressed. Nope. So, well, I just watched uh, the movies that made us and they just showed us how Halloween was made. So it even made mm-hmm. it better for me. Cause I'm like, yeah. And just, I know this is totally a side note, but just FYI, the very first Michael Myers was just like a side prop guy that just walked around. He just was the, oh, really? the director just told him like, go over there, look up, <laughs> don't move. Cool. And that's all he had to do was just walk around everywhere. Oh, that's I was like, funny. this is hilarious. It wasn't a re- it wasn't an actor. It was just like a stunt guy that did the whole thing. Yeah. I was in uh New Orleans over the weekend and there was a guy walking around in Michael Myers and he was just like walking up to the windows and like looking yep. in at people, nope. like sitting at restaurant in restaurants <laughs> and stuff. It was real creepy. Yeah. Um yeah. my boyfriend like was like, Hey, look at that guy. He's right by the window. And I look and I'm like, Nope. 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 And people were like taking pictures of him, like behind people. Like it was no, no. I was like, uh uh. No, I would have kept him at bay, but like, no, you're not going to get to me. across the street. Yeah. Yeah. You ain't getting me, sir. Yeah. I know all your tricks. Watched all your movies. (laughs) 
Have you done one of those um, haunted tours in New Orleans? Those are so cool. She won't go to one. No, I I I want to go. I love the cemeteries, but only in the daylight. (laughs) There was a certain spot that we walked down um, and there were no lights because they're doing a lot of construction down there. And it was real creepy. Yeah. Not going to lie, I was walking a little quicker through that I, section. But you were. There were I no had lines. adrenaline going. Yeah. Yeah, I was Fighter like, okay. Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> yep. See, and that's the thing is like really realizing like, oh, those are my hormones telling my body, you need to get the hell out of this room. Like, Yeah, you need to, you need to you know? be quick about and this. I think that's the deal is like no one really knows what hormones actually do. We just know that they're there. Yeah. <laughs> so pretty much. Yeah, I think it's, you know, and I think so many people are just like, think they have a hormone imbalance. And, you know, I do think that hormone imbalances are more common now than they mm-hmm. used to be. I also think we talk about them more than, yeah. than we did before, you know, you tell your girlfriends everything now. Um, mm-hmm. and, you know, I see a lot more women, uh, being diagnosed at younger ages because the moms who are our mm-hmm. age are like, so on top of things. So like, Mm -hmm. it's like, if there's anything abnormal, they are taking them into the GYN and they're getting that diagnosis at 16 now, which is great. Cause it's like, Oh, like you've got your whole life to Mm -hmm. figure out how to manage this. You know, that's awesome. That is amazing. Well, good props on those mamas. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I'm always like, go mom. (laughs) (laughs) Can you go into a little bit more about gut health? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, gut is really like the root of everything. You know, if you're, we, once we make hormones, we have to get rid of them. You know, we get rid of the excess And the way we do that. It's a three-step process. And so the first two steps happen in our liver where, you know, the hormone used up hormones get kind of packaged up so that they're safe to dispose of in our stool. And so they go into, our intestines so they can exit the body. So that's the third phase. Phase three equals poop. Basically. <laughs> okay. Um, poop is important. So what happens if you're like, if you don't have a great digestive health, if you have constipation or diarrhea, or you have inflammation or absorption issues, um, you can end up having like more circulating hormones in your body than you should, because you're not getting rid of them through your gut, which is one of your biggest detox organs. And so if our gut's not working, then we tend to see it, all these toxins start to try to escape other ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and mostly I see that through the skin because the skin is also a major detox organ. We detox, we, um, toxins, um, and excess, you know, materials go out through our sweat. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, good gut health is crucial to good hormone health. We can't have good gut health without, we can't have good hormone health without good gut health. And unfortunately I do see quite a bit of overlap with, you know, some functional gut disorders and PCOS. So much higher incidence of IBS, C, IBS, D, um, Heartburn, you know, indigestion, heartburn, much more common with PCOS, um, gallbladder issues. Um, you know, there's actually a connection between high estrogen and gallbladder issues. So, 
a lot of the, the women I've worked with have had gallbladder surgery. Um, PCOS also causes um, or can cause non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. So if your liver gets kind of gunked up, it can't do its job as well. And then you're not getting, not clearing those hormones and toxins as well as you should. So yeah, gut health's really everything. Um, You know, usually the next question is, well, should we take a probiotic or what do you recommend for Mm -hmm. good gut health? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I do use probiotics in my practice, but I, I use them like very specific strains for very specific conditions. And I, you know, we try to do them short term. Okay. Um, ideally you don't need to take a probiotic cause you're eating all the things that support good gut health, which is, you know, a high fiber diet, um, darkly colored fruits and vegetables, um, all those, all those good things. Uh, probiotics are like the live bacteria. When you see like on a container of yogurt where it Mm -hmm. says live active cultures, Mm -hmm. like that's that probiotics, fermented foods, um, prebiotics, which are like a special type of fiber that feed your good gut bacteria. Um, but there's actual studies that the gut bacteria in women with PCOS is different than Mm -hmm. the gut bacteria in other women. And like, there was a, there was a crazy, kind of a crazy study where they took poop from a woman with PCOS and they implanted it into mice. And the mice developed symptoms of PCOS. They got the polycystic ovaries. They got the irregular cycles. So like just giving them the bacteria that was in the women with PCOS, the mice got PCOS. Wow. Which is, yeah. They're actually like, I was just, um, I was just looking at some of the more recent research too. And there was a study on um, fecal transplants as a treatment for PCOS. So taking like stool from a healthy female and giving it to someone with PCOS to to treat it. I can give you your my poop. Yeah. Well, well, we don't know. We don't know if I have PCOS. I mean, everything right. she's saying is pointing to yes, but we don't have acknowledgement on that or... We don't because of your, I think why people have probably haven't diagnosed you or gone through it further is because they don't know if it's lupus that isn't affecting some of the things too. Yeah. And your RA and the fibro, like there's just. Thank you autoimmune diseases for making my life so much better. You know, those symptoms can be hiding and all that that jazz. Yeah. Do you see a lot of autoimmune diseases with people that have PCOS? Um, not a lot, but I do see, you know, the most common one really is the Hashimoto's. Um, I see a handful with Graves, but it's mostly the Hashimoto's. Um, those are really the big ones. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really see, um, you know, again, like I'm sure you've done digging into the autoimmune conditions and what helps those, but Mm -hmm. you know, that all goes back to gut health too. It's Mm -hmm. like, you got to got to have a nice healthy gut that's not leaking so that Mm. your immune system stops freaking out. Yeah. Yeah. I have found that if I have more sugar in my diet, my body freaks out more than Mm -hmm. if I'm more on a more protein based, which is perfect for us. Thank you. Weight loss surgery for that. Um, But more protein based, more you know, fiber based, those things together, I, my body tends to freak out less. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Yeah. Well, and everybody's body is different. So it's like, 
what's going to fuel you is going to be a little bit different than everybody else. And mm-hmm. I think what because of, the, of us always trying to like compare and see who's like doing what it's like we don't all have to eat the same thing and mm-hmm. so we get nervous if we're not eating the same thing as someone else mm-hmm. I noticed I'll, like I, I used to get that anxiety being like oh they're gonna see my food and like but I'm not eating the same thing as them so then there's gonna be like this whole conversation but or it's the been, amount or the too. amount too like yeah if somebody eats so if I eat more than Melanie there's something wrong with me and that's not the case because there's yeah. everybody's a little bit different everybody's pouch is a little bit different exactly exactly Exactly. Yeah, so. that that, but also, you know, you both have different nutrient needs and mm-hmm. goals and backgrounds and lifestyles. Although it does sound like you spend a lot of time together, we do. Um, but no. you know, it's, <laughs> and you're going to have different different triggers too. Um, you know, some people do fine with certain foods, others not so much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and PCOS is actually a lot the same, you know, as that in terms of bariatric surgery, like, and the recommendations and what you end up following, like one person's PCOS diet is going to look totally different from another person's PCOS diet because, you know, one person might have more insulin resistance Mm -hmm. where for the other person, it might be more gut issues and inflammation. And then a third person, it might be like almost entirely adrenal. So, you know, the plans are going to look very different, um, based on, on what's going on, but also, you know, we all come from different cultures, have different food access. We live Mm -hmm. in different areas where, you know, food is just different. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I couldn't (laughs) have said it better. Like that's exactly it. We're all very different human beings. Yeah. And we need to realize that one, one case study or one, one stats pair of stats is not going to be the same for every single person. Yeah. I think the yeah. comparison is just like a problem. Yeah. Because we just need I to look at ourselves. It's really, you know, bio individuality is cool. Like we just, we react differently to things. Mm-hmm. And some of it has to do with that gut microbiome that I was talking about before. Cause you know, it affects how you process carbohydrates or fats um, mm-hmm. in your system. And I actually was just, you know, looking at, um, some data from two different people who ate the same meal Mm -hmm. and seeing what they're, um, you know, wearing the continuous glucose monitor so they Mm -hmm. could see what their blood sugar was doing. And, um, you know, two people, same exact meal, like measured down to the teaspoon and like two totally different reactions in terms of what their blood sugar did after eating that meal. Yeah. It's, you know, we don't know, um, you don't really know without, mm-hmm. you know, I personally think it would be cool to be like wearing monitors all the time and like just be getting that like biofeedback all the time and be like, oh, nope, that lunch didn't work for me. Let me, let me see how tomorrow's lunch does. But yeah, um, yeah. we just got some like, glucose sensors we that did. we are going to be using. So cool. Yes. So we are super excited to see what works food wise mm-hmm. and what doesn't work and then kind of tailor that to ourselves because that's exactly what you're saying. You know, we don't know what foods are causing us to have a a slide down or, you know, keep us going. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm excited for you. Um, (laughs) It was, I I got to wear one for about a week as part of a study. And unfortunately, like I had to eat some sort of weird controlled foods as part of the study. So I didn't get to like experiment with my own foods as Mm. much, but like 
I totally like I was I was always saying like beans are like not enough protein to keep your blood sugar stable. Mm. And I totally bite my tongue after <laughs> after seeing this because like the best meal I had the whole time I was wearing it was a can of Amy's lentil soup. <laughs> and like oh. my blood sugar, like it it went up, it stayed in the like perfect level, it didn't spike and it stayed, you know, continuous. It was like Whoa. like a perfect meal for me. So now I'm like oh, maybe I should eat more beans. Yeah, <laughs> you know? seriously. Yeah. I love beans. I do too. I had some yeah. last night for dinner. <laughs> not going to lie. Yeah, I, lentils, yeah. lentils are a good food for me, apparently. So. Well, that's good. It's good because you figured that out. So yeah, it's like all, we can't get enough information. Yeah. Like I remember yeah. when we first started interviewing doctors, surgeons, we were always wanting those numbers. Mm -hmm. We were always mm -hmm. like, well, how many carbs should we be eating? How much protein? And they would always give us these vague numbers. Yeah. And we were like, but we want to know exact numbers. <laughs> and they're like, but we can't give you that because everybody's different. Yeah. And so now we're starting to like get that. Nobody is, no two Nobody people are alike. So. Well, and I think like, so this is totally random but like my husband like not my husband my kid has is lactose intolerant mm -hmm. and you know we had we found that out through the process of eliminating foods and all these things but then like he gets made fun of for it and i'm just like he can't control it i don't understand why people even care mm -hmm. you know but that's kind of like the world we live in is like when we finally figure out like our food allergy like we make fun of people that have, that have gluten allergies mm -hmm. we have people we make fun of people for peanut allergies mm -hmm. in the whole like even with my kid with the lactose intolerance like why why people there's always something that they want to like make fun of you for even with the weight loss surgery that it's too it's too easy or whatever mm -hmm. their stupidness is mm -hmm. and it's like why does it why can't it just be individual? Like, mm -hmm. why Why do we have to care about the, the bigger group? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you spend any time on social media at all, you know how mean people are. They're just bullies be. just to be bullies sometimes. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So with um, the PCOS, how do people that – so – Say that I got diagnosed with PCOS. How would I start working with you? Oh, nice. What's the process of that? Yeah, yeah my one-on-one -on -one wait list is long. Wow. <laughs> it's very, very long. Um, my course is always open. So, you know, you could go to my website. Uh, it's thehormonedietitian.com and you can click on course and learn more about that. There's actually a, a free workshop that you can watch to okay. learn more about that. It's called PCOS period success. It's about an hour long, um, you know, webinar where I talk about three simple diet shifts that you can make to start getting your periods back. Um, but it explains about my methods and what I do. And then the course is a six week program um that's always open so okay. it's open for enrollment all the time um and then i do if you find that you need more support and accountability mm -hmm. um you can do the course in conjunction with group coaching which okay. i do twice a year um so we do a, a small group of women and we're we're on zoom and we you know get to know each other and um you know get some personalization and you know coaching through the program um the one-on-one -on -one 
You know, I keep saying like, I don't know, I don't know. My husband's in education. Um, and so, you know, with so much uncertainty still, mm-hmm. I still kind of like every day I'm expecting him to come home and say like, oh, we're virtual again. And I'm like, oh, great. There goes my business, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I don't, I don't feel comfortable committing, but hopefully soon, um, I'll be taking some new one-on-one clients. Oh I God. do do kind of like, a a little quick, quick hit, um, program, um, that's called the PCOS answers program. Oh. Um, cause I find, you know, what I teach in the course and I teach you like all of the tests that I recommend that you get and how to address things if they're Im- unbalanced, but Um, I find that a lot of times women still struggle with getting those tests from their doctors, like their doctors just aren't willing to run them or they're not able to do it. So um, I do this program where I take you on as a client. We do a full assessment. So it's all like copacetic. Um, I order whatever tests you need and then we get those answers for you. And then you get my personal interpretation and recommendation. That's that's kind of it's like a little mini package of yeah. two visits with me, but you know, I'm able to look at your medical history and do all those things that, you know, are necessary for safety, like checking what medications you're mm-hmm. on and what your, your medical history is before we, you know, look at any sort of personalized recommendations. That's yeah. fantastic. What kind of tests should we ask our doctors to run? Um, yeah. Just like, if I want to go in, what would I ask? Yeah. So for, um, you know, if you were looking to be diagnosed with PCOS, you'd be looking at some hormone testing, um, maybe an ultrasound to look for, um, those cysts on your ovaries, um, androgen levels to see, you know, what those are doing. Um, if you've been diagnosed with PCOS, then the kind of things you want to monitor are around the insulin resistance, inflammation, um, and those other hormone levels like thyroid. Um, you know, most, most people haven't had a full thyroid panel. They've just kind of had TSH done. Um, so yeah, it's really kind of thorough testing. I typically, um, there's a few nutrients. I always take a peek at with PCOS. I look at B12 and vitamin D, um, you know, both of which are important after bariatric surgery as well, but those, tend to be low with PCOS as well. I look at Mm -hmm. cholesterol levels and inflammation. Um, So yeah, there's a lot of tests we can do. Um, Whether whether you're able to get them from your doctors is Mm -hmm. another, a whole nother question. Um, I also have a book. So the book, um, yeah, my cookbook came out last year and um, it may not be like super appropriate for all people with bariatric, uh, with bariatric surgery, just because I do tend to recommend a very high fiber, very high vegetable diet. So, um, but you know, you could customize, I, I use about a quarter of the plate for carbs as a starting point. So, you know, you could customize and, um, play around with it, but, um, yeah, it's a balanced approach to PCOS and it's 16 weeks of PCOS meal plan recipes. Um, obviously my Instagram, I share a ton of info there and I'm launching my podcast. I don't know what day, 
Yeah, I don't what? know what day. Um, I know breaking the news. Um, I don't know what day you're planning on releasing this episode, but my podcast uh, will launch on November 16th, and Ooh. it is called Hormonally Yours with the Hormone Dietitian. Oh, That's congratulations! Exciting. Yeah, I'm super excited. It's a long time coming, and I, you know, where you just have to like decide to do it and then just do it. You got to pull the trigger. <laughs> That's what we did. Yep. Just go all yeah. in and we don't. Like, all right, cool. We're and, here. And don't stop. That yeah. will be my one big advice is that no matter what gets thrown at you, just keep going. Yeah. Just keep going. Well, I am, I am paying people to <laughs> launch it and manage it. So Good. yeah, they, they are keeping me on task in terms of like, okay, we've got schedules and deadlines yeah. and I've got things I've got to get done by certain days. So while running a full-time business. Yeah. 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 You are a busy lady. (laughs) Honestly, that was how I got my course done too. I, you know, I, I wanted to put together a PCOS course for so, so long. And, um, it took me a full year from deciding like, okay, I'm going to do this to like Mm -hmm. actually doing it. And honestly, the, the only way I was able to do it was I pre-sold it. I did a Black Friday pre-sale and then I was like, oh shit, like people bought this. Like now I need to <laughs> have to do it. Make it, you know? <laughs> so, um, so That's it awesome. made me like make it, you know? Yeah. Great. Well, sometimes you have to just throw an idea out to the universe and just see what grabs and if it grabs and that's, that's what you should do, man. Yeah. So exactly. that's, kind of, that's exactly what we did. Well, congratulations yeah. on that. That's Thank exciting. You. We can't you. wait yeah, to I'm listen. I'm the type of person I like, I make decisions really quick. And then once I've made it, I'm like, I'm in. Yep. You know, that's I'm the same way. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I'll go to sleep one night and be like, hmm, I think tomorrow I'm going to buy a car. And then I go out and buy a car. Yeah, that's exactly how you got your car. Yep. That is. Yeah. Yep. Or I'll just so drive good. by a car lot and be like, hey, I like that car. Mm-hmm. And then I'll go in and just buy the car. That's, there you go. That's how I live my life. I love it. I can relate to that. And like, honestly, 99.9% of the time things work out fine. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty yeah. much. No. Well, because yeah. normally like we just talk ourselves out of things and we just worry, mm-hmm. worry, worry when if we just did it, it would have already been done. And then you'd be happy and not be stressing about it anymore. So Exactly. I'm, I'm one of those people when I'm lost, when I'm driving and I'm lost, I drive faster because it's like if I if I can, you know, know that I'm going the wrong direction, then I'll like, you know, faster then I can turn around and like do what I need to do. But like. <laughs> Like anytime I've ever been pulled over, it's because I'm lost. And I'm just like, that's hysterical. I would slow down. Yeah, I slow down too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a slow downer. (laughs) The slow downer. The slow downer. Well, I'm like, let me just drive a hundred more miles this way just to make sure I'm lost. Make sure I'm lost. Yeah. Let's let's get this concrete in. Okay, I'm lost. We're good. You guys are hilarious. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, is there anything that we missed that you think that the audience should know or um that we should go over? Yeah, I mean, I think I wanna talk a little bit about the fact that, you know, oftentimes weight loss mm-hmm. surgery can oh, be yes. proposed as like the cure-all for PCOS. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people say all the time, well, just lose weight and your PCOS symptoms will go away. Um, And that's really, it's not the case. I mean, yes, there's some evidence that losing like 5% of your body weight can, you know, have a positive effect on some of your symptoms and your, you know, lab tests. Yeah. Um, But, you know, 
what I see in my practice and what tends to happen is, you know, someone will have had the surgery and will have lost, you know, the significant amount of weight and realize that, you know, this sounds like you, it sounds like, you know, the, the cycles never come back nope. in a regular way. Mm-hmm. And they're still struggling with the symptoms they were struggling with before the mm-hmm. surgery, like the hair loss and the acne and, you know, some of the, the other things that they're, they're dealing with. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, well now the weight's gone. So it's like, it's not the weight causing the problem. So like right. what's causing it. And that's where, you know, then we take a step back and work on some of those things that were causing the weight. Cause mm-hmm. I view weight as a symptom, just like all of the other mm-hmm. symptoms. So okay. You know, same thing that was causing the excess weight is causing the acne and the irregular cycles. And so we, you know, have to go back and work on, you know, balancing blood sugar. And I do think, you know, the post-bariatric diet can be really helpful for PCOS because there is such an emphasis on protein, which helps balance blood sugar. And you know, you end up reducing carbs um, a lot of times because you can't tolerate them, but also because there's just not room for mm-hmm. all that extra stuff. Yep. Um, yeah. You know, we kind of get into a weird place with fiber because we we often can't get in what I would recommend for women who hadn't had the surgery and you know, at the okay. level of fiber that I would recommend, which is typically like 30 to 35 grams a day, which just isn't wow. going to be possible yeah, after surgery. Lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot. Um, you know, so really, really that's my main thing. I think, um, you know, I've definitely the women I've worked with who've had the surgery don't regret it. They just wish that they had known it wasn't going to completely eliminate their PCOS symptoms. Got it. Wow. That's a huge deal to have to deal with that and not know. Like, I think that's probably a lot of people's because you was I know for me um, and a lot of uh, the other folks that we just think it's our own fault why we're gaining weight mm-hmm. and not mm-hmm. understanding what's going on and then realizing after the fact, oh, it's because I have PCOS. Like, I don't have it. But um, just saying like it, when you find out, though, that that would mm-hmm. be like it's probably a relief and disappointment at the same time because you're like the healthcare is not working for you. But now, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't you, you like your fault. Like, it's not your yeah. fault at all for that. happening. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, and I'm sure you talk a lot about um, the implications of weight loss um, mm-hmm. on the show and, you know, how it makes you feel and, you know, the, the sort of after effects when it comes to like mood and mm-hmm. body image and all of that. I'm sure you go <laughs> yes. way yeah. on that here. Um, you know, I think it's, and there, you know, are obviously like very valid reasons why women decide to have the surgery. And mm-hmm. so they're, you know, the weight loss in itself is a goal for mm-hmm. many of them. And so, you know, I think it's that idea that like, if you just lose weight, all your symptoms will be better. That's right. like not true, yeah. you know, and that that's the part that can be disappointing because that that narrative is definitely promoted out there in conventional medicine, you know, Mm -hmm. where it's like, like you're doing something wrong and like, you have to lose this weight. Mm -hmm. And so you do it. And then it's like, you still, you're still in the same place symptoms wise, you know, that'd be so disheartening. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely, I get, I get angry on yeah. behalf of women with PCOS all the time. Cause I, yep. it's just like, we can do so much more with nutrition and lifestyle than what doctors are telling you. you we know? can do better as a community. 
yeah to promote mm-hmm. to promote and bring awareness and mm-hmm. care about each other mm-hmm. and talk about it yeah because that's the deal is everyone's like scared to talk about their periods like <laughs> it's insane it's interesting though i can tell that it's getting better because i have a niece that is 13 going through the full cycles mm-hmm. and when i pick her up i take her and my son to school and she'll just start start talking about it no problem my son doesn't even blink an eye and i'm just like Oh, this would have been nice 30 years ago. <laughs> oh, my God. My mom handed me a book and left and came back and was like, you don't have any questions, do you? Like about like it was a oh. book about like sex and periods. And it's like, that's what being a girl in the 80s was like, you know, we're now I don't know. I, I think because it's like women my age and your age who are moms, it's like. You know, we want to be able mm-hmm. to talk about these things yeah. with our daughters, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I'm very open. Like, we talk about all the things. Mm-hmm. Even with Dylan, I learn all the boy stuff. And it's, it's <laughs> But it's so interesting to see the flip side of the coin because mm-hmm. they are still emotional and all the hormones are changing and they don't know why either. So yeah. it's like, um, so, you know, they have no signal like how what we have, like with the period, like, you know, this this is what's happening to your mm-hmm. body. And Dylan will be like, why am I crying? I'm not sad. And I'm like, oh, give me a hug because I know exactly <laughs> what's going on now. <laughs> yeah. You know, so mm-hmm. it's just I'm glad that we finally had you on because this is super yes. important to learn about like hormones and how it works in your body. Yes. Yes. I am super excited. I'm going to get tested yes all right it's on my list (laughs) yeah let me let me know how it goes i definitely will and we will keep you updated on our glucose monitoring too yeah it's gonna be fun cool cool i'm i'm so excited to see i'm sure you'll do an episode after oh oh yeah yeah Yeah. but we're gonna have to we're gonna have all the information Mm -hmm. so i did do a blog post about my experience um on my website, which is the hormonedietitian.com. And if you go to my Zoe test review, it was part of like, I wore it as part of the Zoe test. So um, yeah, so you get to to kind of see like my results and like how I was kind of shocked. Yeah, we'll check it out so we can be prepared. All right. Well, if everybody wants to see this episode, you can go on to patreon.com forward slash OSLP and pick the tier. It's $10 or higher and they get all the videos before everybody else does. Mm -hmm. And they get their own exclusive video every week of me and Kelly just shooting the shit and telling you what's going on. Yeah. And then we also have the benchies that come included where you get to hang out with us all day long in a support group. We talk to you on Facebook Messenger. There's about 60 people now. And it's a lot, a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. Yes. We enjoy it so, so very much. So much. And we enjoy getting to know you guys all a little bit better. Yeah, because we send voice messages. We send pictures, photos. It's it's a lot of fun. So come join us over there. And we want to thank you again for being with us, Melissa. And uh, we love you guys. And we will see you next next time. Bye. Hey, listeners, if you've enjoyed your time with us, please rate, review, and subscribe on any platform that you get your podcasts. Also, check us out on patreon.com forward slash OSLP for exclusive content with your favorite girls ever. Yeah. And also, check out our YouTube page. Subscribe, hit that little bell so you get notified when our new videos drop a week after they are released. Yeah, and we would like to give a big thank you to Anne-Marie Cruz for our logos, Eric Vaughn with 17th Street Studios because he provides our music and our recording space. Thanks for listening to Our Sleep Live podcast where we are breaking that stigma one episode at a time. 